0: Hello and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast of the Environmental Investigation Agency or EIA. On the 1st of February 2021, the military in Myanmar seized power and arrested the leaders of the country. In the three years since, Myanmar has effectively seen a return to the violent days when its forests were being devastated by the previous military dictatorship in pursuit of territorial control and hard currency. And despite international sanctions, the current regime still seeks to fund itself via illicit exports of valuable commodities especially of precious teak, the king of woods which is much sought after for luxury boat building. I'm Paul Newman, AIA Senior Press and Communications Officer, and joining me today is forest campaigner Kate Clickis to talk about the ongoing impacts of the coup and efforts to stop the junta from cashing in on valuable commodities. Kate, welcome, and thanks very much for taking the time to share your thoughts with us today.
1: Hi, Paul.
0: Well, I appreciate the situation in Myanmar. is a really complex one, um, and, and we don't want to get into the territory of reducing it too far, but are you able to give us a general idea of of what life is like for many people in the country and how it's changed during the past three years?
1: Yes, well, the people of Myanmar... um... Their lives have been turned on their heads. It's it's they're facing uh, arrests, torture, uh, deaths, and, and this is all at the hands of, of the military junta. Um, the economy has been in free fall. Um, there's been an increase of human trafficking and drug smuggling, um, as well as fighting um, by the ethnic armed forces. Uh, people are losing their lives at the hands of the junta on a daily basis, being forced to f- uh, flee their homes and, and leaving the places that um, they simply don't want to leave because of because of the actions of the military.
0: And, and and in terms of the the kind of freedoms people might typically have enjoyed during the 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 the, position, the, the time when Myanmar was moving closer towards being a if you like a functioning democracy, I, I can I can only assume there's been a massive downturn in in, in that kind of freedom of, of expression and belief and action.
1: Absolutely. I mean, activists who um, in in the world of conservation um, that their, their lives are now at risk. Um, they cannot speak out um, uh, about the issues that are, are happening in the country. Uh, they've gone into hiding because of fear of being arrested, tortured, killed at, at the hands of the hunter. Um, so yes, freedom um, on on a day to day basis has been completely taken taken away from them, and and really struggling to, to, to make ends meet at the moment um, because of all of the, the hardships that are happening um, in within the country.
0: And, and I, I know that before the coup, um, the, our forest campaign um, was quite active on the ground, working with various partners and individuals in the country. Um, do we know how they, I presume, obviously, first of all, we're not working in the country anymore, uh, because that's just not a viable prospect. But how, how are our people doing there? How are, how, how are our friends getting by and are we still in touch with them
1: yes i mean yeah as you say it's no longer possible for us to be within the country and helping our friends out um so we are trying our best to stay in touch and and ensure that you know they are, are staying safe but also able to continue um doing the work that they do to help us in supporting them to ensure that you know we are protecting the forest as best we can with the work that we do
0: Excellent stuff. Now, I, 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 I gather as well that um, obviously what, one of the things that Hunter is, is doing is reverting to the playbook of the previous um, Hunter regime where they're looking to basically asset strip um, in pursuit of hard currency to fund themselves because for various reasons, the, you know, the international community isn't doing anything like the business is doing with them now. Um, what's been the broad impact um, of, of the coup and, and that policy on the country's natural resources?
1: Yeah, I mean the the hunter relies heavily on on the the natural resources of Myanmar. It's a naturally resource rich country, you know. Beyond the timber, with the lush forests that it has, uh, there's also minerals, gemstones, uh, gold, uh, natural gas. I mean, there's been a huge increase in mining activities, which is massively detrimental to the natural environment it's also damaging um for the people who rely on the forests um they're no longer able to for example fish in in the rivers that were once clean that is now being impacted by the mining and this is all because the hunter needs the money to top up their coffers to continue um to commit the atrocities against their own people
0: in, uh, in some respects the the teak sector was just obviously something we work on um, very closely. Uh, it's become something of a poster child for the regime's attempts to turn um, prize commodities into the currency it, it needs. What, it's probably an obvious question to you, and but, but why teak in particular? What What is it about this timber that makes it so desirable?
1: Well, as you mentioned in your introduction, it is described as the king of the woods, and it, there's a good reason for that. Um, it's a highly durable uh, timber, it's got a high oil content, it's weatherproof, it's slip proof, and this makes it absolutely perfect for the marine industry. Um, they use this timber to produce decking on, on yachts, super yachts, uh, boats, um, as well as producing furniture. And the reason why Myanmar teak is so highly sought after um, is because Myanmar itself holds 50% of the last remaining wild teak forests. and Old growth wild teak is prized by the, by the industry because of that old growth. The time it takes and in, in which um, the the tree matures is um, incredibly important for these qualities because. Competition in the forest, uh, the natural minerals found in the soils intensifies these qualities that are needed for the decking, and that's what makes them so long-lasting. And um, when when they are laid down, um, and again, it's it's a timber that is synonymous with the yachting world um, because of its these qualities as well as its appearance. Um, and so it's the upper echelons of society that are asking for this teeth because they know it is simply the best that there that is out there and as uh, supplies dwindle uh, prices go up and unfortunately <laughs> we exist in a world where billionaires are are seeking these types of products they're showing it off and it just doesn't make sense that you know a, a decking that is only going to last for 20 30 years why these these people are seeking to destroy the natural environment just so that they can have something nice on a boat it, it doesn't add up
0: yeah is, is it i mean i'm not necessarily kind of speaking in defense of, of, of billionaires but <laughs> is, is, is it is it that they don't understand the connection um, between teak and um, the military um regime and its atrocities or is it that they don't want to know?
1: I think I think in some respects, yes. I think I think it is just because it is a timber that is so ingrained in this industry, um, in the marine industry. I mean, this this timber has been used. It goes back to to when the British colonialized Myanmar and it really um, elevated its its uh, use. Um, and so, it's just something that everybody wants to have but yes on the other hand when you're reading news articles and you're seeing that you know people are dying on a daily basis at the hands of a regime which is where this timber is being sourced from you can't help but think that more needs to be done to address the issue and and by boycotting it and not importing it not engaging in the trade is is just a a simple way to to address this issue.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's not called blood teak for no reason, is it? Exactly. <laughs> um, if if we can take a moment actually and, and just dig a little bit deeper into the relationship between uh, teak and the military um, within within Myanmar itself, just just how and at what level are they connected?
1: Um, so they're connected at every level. Um, there is no separation between the military and teak at the moment. Um, So when the junta took control uh, in February 2021, uh, they took control of all government entities, including the Myanmar timber enterprise. And this state-owned entity um, auctions off teak and also controls all of the exports. So if you're a trader who wants to buy teak at the moment, you would be buying teak via an auction uh, that is held by Myanmar Timber Enterprise. So, all the funds that are being generated uh, from teak sales are directly going to the junta. It is propping up the regime as we speak. So, any teak that comes out of Myanmar will have had to go through the hands of Myanmar Timber Enterprise. And so, you know, private en- entities that are operating with Myanmar at the moment, um, you know, they highly corrupt cronies who have um, paid their way into the position that they are in but it's 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 all connected there there is no way that you can get your hands on this stuff without propping up the regime at the moment
0: and, and what has been the impact on this trade on Myanmar's forests and on those people who either live in them or rely on them for their livelihood
1: well, I mean, aside from the the teak trade, um, the, the the business that is happening, uh, it's millions of dollars worth of trade at the moment. Um, aside from propping up the regime to continue what they're doing to their own people, um, the forests that that it's it's so much more than the trees themselves. Um, these forests provide sanctuary, safety, shelter food, water for the for forest dependent people, indigenous people, and also individuals who are, are fleeing and simply hiding from the regime at the moment. Even activists who have been working on on prevalent issues are using the forests at the moment to hide from the regime. Um, and you know these these are biodiverse, rich uh, parts of the world that are so important to, to everyone—it it goes beyond Myanmar. This is a climate issue. This is a biodiversity issue. You know, like tigers, pangolins, tapirs—they they all exist in these forests, and so with with this trade that is ongoing, it it's it really is threatening all of these aspects. And so, yes, um, tradition knowledge, you know. Important for cultures of these people, it's being lost, and 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 forests that have been cultivated by these people for for centuries. Again, it's all being threatened um, by the hunter. And the longer the timber traders and the cronies participate in these in this trade, um, the more that you know people are going to be losing their livelihoods to this.
0: Well, since the coup three years ago, um, various actors and entities in Myanmar have been hit with trade sanctions uh, by the likes of the European Union and the USA. I'm thinking particularly of individual politicians. I know the MTE itself has been singled out for sanctions. Um, that said, issuing sanctions and then enforcing them are, are two totally separate things. How effective have sanctions been in this respect? I know EIA played quite a significant part in lobbying for them in the first place. Um how are they working? Are, are they working, I suppose, is the real question.
1: Um straight answer, no, they're not working the way we want them to be working. Um it, it was a great point. Um it was it was a really encouraging um success um when when MTE was sanctioned and by the US in April twenty one and by the EU in June twenty twenty-one also. Um But like you say, um, um, implementation and enforcement are two different things. And and we have yet to see any enforcement actions um, under the banner of sanctions um, being taken by either the US or the EU. Um, It's something that we feel so strongly about. It's, it's, It's simple. You know, if MTE is sanctioned, no funds should be going to them directly or indirectly, nor should any goods be um, traded that were once in the possession of MTE. So that means there's essentially a, a trade ban because all teak must go through this entity. And so for traders who are saying you know, that they're buying it from stockpiles that were owned prior to the coup... To be still using that narrative in 2024, I mean, how can there be anything left to be traded?
0: Yeah, it, it beggars belief, doesn't it? That, that there would possibly be yeah. a stockpile big enough to keep us running what forever?
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. You know, it, it it just it just simply does not add up, um, and. Um, you know, we highlighted this in our acts of defiance reports, and so we did two two volumes of that, and we named twelve companies in the US that were trading teak from Myanmar um, after the point at which sanctions were implemented to really highlight this issue. That you know, calling out on the traders um, to to say that it just simply should not be happening, and and why are you still doing this when you know for a fact that you are breaching sanctions and, and engaging in this trade. And, and for anyone else who is thinking of doing it, just simply not to engage in it. Um, and we're also seeing an uptick in, in traders using new tactics, such as trading through other countries, um, neighbouring countries, so that they can amend the origin of of the timber on this uh, import certification as a way of bypassing um, detection and customs. But again, it's it doesn't matter if you're trading indirectly and the funds are reaching MTE, that is going to be a breach of sanctions and it simply should not be happening.
0: Yeah, I guess no matter how much you obscure your trail, the, the basic issue is still there. It, it, is this what we were doing in the in our report? Obviously, the Croatian connection, uh, where where they found teak coming in from all sorts of places um, that really teak had no business going through, and obviously yeah. they're trying to use back doors to get it onto the European market. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a similar sort of issue where traders again they're they're using loopholes um and and they're trying to use tactics to to continue the trade because it is so lucrative and and they know that they can make a lot of money off of this and if the penalties aren't harsh enough then they 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 are willing to take the risk and that is something that's something that we have consistently seen in enforcement um, agencies. Um, they need to be doing more to, to address this trade.
0: Now, apart from specific sanctions, um, are there any other international laws in place to control the trade antique?
1: Um, so... Not international laws specifically, but we have the European Union Timber Regulation. Um, that was something that EIA uh, worked really hard to, to support and, and bring in back in 2013. Um, so that is soon going to be repealed by the EU deforestation regulation. Um, and this is uh, this goes beyond timber. This new regulation is going to be. Uh, regulating seven commodities, um, so that includes palm oil, uh, soy, cattle, cocoa, coffee, rubber. Um, these these are going to be all um, coming under the banner of this new regulation, and that simply says that it's not possible to import these commodities into the EU or export from the EU um, if they have uh, been sourced from deforestation uh, practices. Um, similarly, in the UK, following um, the exit from the European Union, um, they enacted the UK Timber Regulation, essentially copying uh, the EU TR. And for the United States, there is the Lacey Act, uh, which was amended in two thousand eight. Um, it's broadened in its scope, um, and so that states it's not possible to import timber that's been uh, illegally taken, possessed, transported, or sold. So. Again, this is, uh, these are regulations that, that we seek to rely upon um, when, when we're monitoring the trade and, and uh, speaking to law enforcement to ensure that these regulations are being upheld um, and fully implemented and enforced.
0: Finally, uh, can you tell us something of AI's work? to help stop this trade and to support law enforcement in respect of taking, And obviously, we've been there through the better times and in the last three years, the bad, uh, but we can't actually be there boots on the ground any longer. Um, what can we actually do um, to, to make, make the situation better, to make it right?
1: Yeah, so our, our work focuses on the traders who are responsible for supporting this continued trade and that is the causing deforestation and, and supporting the hunter with the funds. And in order to do that, we use the regulations I just mentioned, um, highlighting how uh, the trade is breaching these consistently and how enforcement needs to look at this, raise prosecution cases, bring criminal actions against the traders. Um, you know, we're working with our partners to ensure that not only they're safe, but um, any inform- information that they give us um, can can help feed into this work, um, monitoring the trade to hold these traders to account, and all of this is is aimed at um, you know really bringing this issue to to the attention of the international community um, because again, as as we discussed. Sanctions don't mean anything if they're not fully enforced, and and the international community has a responsibility to ensure that Myanmar and, and its people are not forgotten. Um, and if if we can do this uh, as well as protecting the forests, then you know this this is something that is incredibly important uh, for our, our work.
0: Okay, thank you very much for that today. Um, it's been great to chat to you, despite the subject matter being somewhat grim. Um, And um, all our thoughts go out as well to our friends, partners um, on the ground in Myanmar who aren't in a position to be able to do things like podcasts. So hopefully you'll be able to come back and join us in the future with um, an optimistic update. Thanks, If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at aia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thanks for joining us and wherever you are out there, stay safe.